Good morning, and welcome to episode two of Walk and Talk. Uh, this is the second day I'm doing a morning recording, and uh, I thought yesterday went pretty well. The uh, audio quality was horrific, but um, you know I, I talked about some things that uh, were on my mind and are important to me. A little bit of an intro to the show, and. Uh, it just encouraged me that, you know, I can do this and, and go for a walk in the morning for 20 minutes or however long it is and talk about whatever I feel like talking about. And it won't end up being a totally crap thing that is totally not worthwhile listening to. And a lot of people probably won't listen regardless and certainly not from the start, but uh, I like doing it for myself. and. If a few people do listen and get value from it, that's great. And then, you know, in the uh, full scope of time, these things are persistent. And uh, I just think it's really cool to compound a collection of content, whether it's written or podcasts or whatever. Um, you know, tweets maybe being the least valuable of the bunch, but especially long form whether it's blogs or, of course, books or, you know, music, podcasts, things like that. I think it's pretty cool, uh, videos and the like as well. So for today, um, you know, I've got a bunch of questions from the audience that I mentioned and was really pleased to see like 20 plus questions, I think it was, that came in because it just gave me a cue of questions to go through so that if I don't have anything to talk about, I have a, uh, a backlog of things that I can go to and, and that's really helpful, but I'm not in any real rush to, uh, to address those because, you know, I don't really care and, and not, not that I don't really care to answer them, but I don't really care about the timing of it. And I'm pretty darn sure no one who asked them really cares either. Uh, and certainly no one who's listening. So, uh, I'll get to them when I get to them, and maybe I'll get to a few today. But um, I wanted to start, uh, well, firstly, talking about a couple of logistics. Uh, I mentioned the audio quality yesterday was really horrible, um, and I do have a plan to fix it. There's something about putting something shitty into the world that makes you want to make it not shitty. So... Uh, right after recording the first episode, I went and uh, did some research on the best pair of headphones and microphone to get great, you know, output audio quality or input, I guess, rather, from my end, uh, and found a pair called the Bose 700 that seemed pretty good. Um, there was another pair by Sony that I considered, and then the Apple AirPods Max, you know, the over-the-ear ones. Uh, which are a little bit more expensive and evidently not quite as good for audio quality when you're outside and things like that. Um, and then there's the headsets that look pretty goofy if I walk around with, you know, a, an actual microphone coming out of the headphones. And I don't really care about the goofy look, but it didn't appear that there was much upside in doing one of those or much improvement on the audio quality. So if the Bose 700 aren't so good, I will um, try one of those, but unfortunately, I, I do not have the Bose 700 today. So what you're hearing is still a janky little AirPod setup. 
Um, but I did make half of an improvement or half of the full improvement that I plan to make at least. I think for whatever reason, my old iPhone that I probably need to re-up was um, dropping calls. I'm hoping it was the iPhone's fault. I know it wasn't the headphones fault. It could just be the city where I'm walking around or whatever. But um, I have a second phone for work that I would assume if it is a phone issue, doesn't have the same issue. So I'm using that one today. And that should prevent the dropouts and like the robotic uh, sound or whatever that would happen every once in a while sporadically in yesterday's recording. And, uh, and the equality itself is the next step of, you know, the, the full conversation, uh, ignoring the dropouts that will be the same as yesterday today, or roughly the same might be a little bit better actually, because I'm walking a little bit earlier and there's not as much noise on the streets today, but, um, I'll leave that up to you few who have listened to both to determine. Um, so anyway, with that, uh, one thing I thought would be interesting to talk about today is my perspective on sleep and just think it out a little bit. I've thought about it a lot, but never in this format. And I suspect I'll be talking a lot about uh, talk, talking about a lot of things that I've thought about a lot. Uh, and this new format is just an interesting way to, you know, think about it out loud in a way that I'm, you know, comfortable sharing with the public. And, um, I don't know what could come out of that. It could be good, uh, in a lot of ways, I think. And, uh, just doing something that is fairly uncommon, uh, like just this, you know, walking, talking and recording fairly uncommon. I would say I I personally don't really know anyone else who does it. And, uh, maybe there are people who do it and I'm sure there are, but, um, my general policy is if I haven't heard of it, it, practically speaking, doesn't really exist. Um, for example, if you have an idea for a startup and, uh, you know, you Google it and someone's, someone you never heard of, someone you have never heard of is, is working on it. And, you know, maybe they have a few customers or whatever, but it's not like a mainstream thing. Then from my perspective, might as well just pretend that it doesn't exist and, uh, you know, do it your way and do it better. And the successful version of it, if you think it's a genuinely good idea should be something that people will hear about someday. So if they haven't yet, then you still have an opportunity to go and make that thing a little bit different than what I'm talking about now. Um, but that's just a, a concept to put out there. I think a lot of people stop short of pursuing great ideas because they think somebody's already doing it from a quick Google search or whatever. But I think that's a sort of, a, you know, a convenient excuse to, not go and do a hard thing like trying to start a company or pursue an idea or something like that. Um, so anyway, the reason this is valuable, I would say, uh, you know, related to that point is that because no one does this specific thing or very few people do this specific thing, um, the benefits of it or the, you know, downsides of it, I suppose, will be sort of realized by very few people. And so if it turns out that there is great benefit from, you know, going for a walk every morning and recording uh, for a publicly posted thing and just talking about ideas and taking questions and things like that, then I will be at least for a while until, you know, other more people do it. One of very few people to 
benefit from that activity. Sort of like if you were one of the first people to start, you know, lifting weights or fasting or, um, you know, reading or something like this, something that's like obviously a good thing to do. Um, if you're one of the only people to do it, then uh, you're going to benefit in a way that gives you an advantage over the rest of the world. So anyway, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it's a possibility that occurred to me. And I think a lot more possibilities will occur to me as this moves forward. I actually heard a really good quote from uh, Brian Armstrong, the uh, founder and CEO of Coinbase or co-founder and CEO of Coinbase lately, which is action produces information. Um, and at first I didn't really know, didn't really understand what that meant. I mean, I'm definitely pro action, but information struck me as a weird word um, or not the first word, at least that I would put after, you know, what does action produce? Like, for example, action produces more action, I think is like another version that makes sense to me at first glance. But thinking about it a little bit more, um, I really do like the quote because action produces information like doing this and, and just, you know, producing the first episode yesterday or putting out the tweet and uh, soliciting, soliciting some questions. There's always just sort of, you know, all predictions, you know, there's the saying or whatever, like all models are wrong, right? Like all predictions for the future are wrong. It's just a matter of, you know, to what degree. And so when you think about something that you want to do or an action that you want to take, um, but you don't actually do it, uh, you, you can't really know what the information, I guess, from that action is going to be. You can sort of try to project it, but you're just going to be wrong. You're, you're, it's just a matter of how wrong you are and what you don't foresee and what you foresee that doesn't happen and everything like that. Um, so just starting with this episode yesterday, I think... I'm starting to realize, like, I had a gut sense that this was a good idea, just, um, you know, first and foremost, because replacing the habit of going on my phone first thing in the morning, I thought with uh, going for a walk, even without talking or anything, was a good idea. And then the talking and publishing it, um, to me, seemed like a really nice forcing function to make sure that I actually did that and got up and went for a walk, because if no one's watching and no one cares... And I don't have any, you know, accountability to anyone other than my, you know, half commitment to go for a walk every morning, then I'm just realistically not going to really end up doing it because it's a whole lot easier to just turn and, and go on your phone. Um, and I should admit for full transparency that I actually did start the day today on my phone, but the walk is still good. And uh, I will hope to not do that very often part of the appeal of this to me is is um you know doing it first thing i think it's just like a great way to start the day um as i've probably said at nauseum and will continue to say but um i started the day on my phone because i woke up and couldn't get back to sleep at like 4 a.m um which is uh, i generally wake up pretty early but that is exceptionally early for me so I was on my phone for a bit uh, and a bit longer than I would have liked to, but uh, nonetheless, you know, got outside and I'm walking now and doing the walk and talk. So all good. Um, 
And that was what actually prompted me to talk a little bit about sleep, uh, which I forget if I mentioned earlier, but that's one thing I sort of had jotted down to talk about today. Um, and sleep is, I think, one of, like, there's a few things that are very clearly fundamental and hugely impactful in life. And given that we spend about a third of our lives sleeping, uh, you know, if you think your time is important or whatever, like however you cut it, uh, sleep, the fact that it takes up about a third of your life has to be incredibly important. And on the flip side of that, uh, or maybe not on the flip side, but, you know, further to that, um, if you sleep eight hours a night, which is sort of the assumption I'm making um, when I say a third of your life, 24 hours in a day, divided by three, eight hours a night, third of your life spent sleeping, um, you know, you can, any time that you add or share or, or add or uh, subtract rather from eight hours results in like immense additions or subtractions from your life spent awake. Um, and the counter to that is like, okay, as, a, as an example, let's say you, sleep, you cut it in half and sleep four hours a night. Um, you're gaining, you know, half of the time that you spend in life sleeping, you're gaining back into waking hours. But I suspect that maybe not for all people, but for a lot of people, um, the jury's still out on, you know, the ideal time to sleep for health span and lifespan and things like that. But my assumption is that four hours a night is an extreme enough level um, on the not enough sleep end of the spectrum that the average lifespan of a group of people sleeping four hours a night uh, without any, you know, genetic differences that are unusual is that that lifespan of people sleeping that little is probably a lot less a lot um you know they probably live a lot fewer years uh and perhaps less healthier years along the way than people sleeping some more reasonable amount of time so you know four hours from my perspective i just feel terrible when i sleep four hours uh maybe not just one day but if i sleep four hours a night for a full week I become more or less like a zombie. It's just not a good situation. Um, and, you know, probably like depressed and, and all that is just my body shuts down. It's, I can't exercise four hours a night is, is not enough, but you get to like five hours and it starts to become like, okay, you know, I think still that has negative effects on me on a day to day level, but, um, you know, not, not quite as extreme. And then five and a half, like, you know, even more so. And then you get to six and it's like, well, this is probably where I start to think about like maybe six hours could be the optimal number of hours of sleep for me. And at this point I should clarify, uh, cause something I always find quite frustrating and in looking into sleep research and trying to answer this question of what's the optimal number of hours to sleep, at least for the general population. And then there might, there might be a lot of personal variance just as there is with nutrition and diet and everything like that. Um, these things are all sort of turning out to be, I think, a lot more personalized than uh, previous generations have thought. And uh, 
general advice is generally good, perhaps, but certainly not definitely good for all people. Um, but the thing that, that frustrates me is there's sort of like two definitions of sleep. Um, this concept that I was sort of introduced to by Matthew Walker in his book, How I Sleep, or something like that, which I read and proceeded to uh, think way too much about my sleep for a while um, in a possibly counterproductive way, but also, you know, prioritize sleep a little bit more, probably a good thing. Um, and that is that there's sort of the amount of time that you actually sleep and there's the amount of time that's sort of like your sleep window. Um, so roughly, uh, I think your sleep window is like, I mean, you could call it when you get in bed, but more realistically, it's sort of like when you get in bed with the intention of sleeping and sleeping only, or, um, you know, maybe even when you fall asleep, sort of an ambiguous start time, but something between when you, when you get, when you're in bed with the intention to sleep and actually falling asleep. And then when you wake up or again, it's a little bit ambiguous, but like sort of when you wake up and no longer have the intention of sleeping. So you're like, you know, on your phone in bed or something, or when you get out of bed somewhere in that time. So there's like this somewhat ambiguous sleep window. And then there's the amount of time within that window that you're actually sleeping. And the two can be very different. And um, I could talk a little bit more about the Aura Ring, which, uh, you know, I had the CEO on the podcast and was, he was kind of, you know, he, yeah, he's kind enough to come on the podcast and, and I ended up ordering the ring and have used it since and really enjoy it um, for a lot of reasons I can talk about. But um, that made me aware of this difference between the sleep window and the actual sleep time because it tracks your sleep and not only when you're sleeping, but also uh, at least claims to accurately or somewhat accurately track, you know, REM sleep versus deep sleep versus light sleep versus awake. Um, and you can see if you look at your night's sleep, it says, you know, you were 83% sleep efficiency last night which I think roughly means you were sleeping for, you were actually sleeping for 83% of your sleep window. Um, and so you realize that like, whereas I used to think whatever time I saw when I went to sleep versus, you know, the difference between that and whatever time I saw when I wake up is the amount of time that I slept last night. You start to realize like, oh, you know, even if that, uh, which I've, you know, I'm calling the sleep window is, seven and a half hours, my actual time slept might only be six and a half. And so when you're going through the research and trying to figure out the optimal number of hours to sleep, um, if you find out that the answer is, say, seven hours, but you don't know whether that's referring to the sleep window, uh, whether the, the research was sort of using the sleep window or the actual sleep, and my my best guess in most cases is that it's recurrent. It's, it's referring to the sleep window because we didn't have great ways of measuring the actual sleep, at least self-measuring, you know, in a, in a controlled environment, someone could measure it maybe, but we didn't have great ways of self-measuring and self-reporting the quote-unquote sleep efficiency or amount of time slept divided by the amount, um, time, amount of time in the sleep window. 
we didn't really have that stat in a self-measurable, self-reportable way until things like Aura Ring. And so I don't know how that research would have been done. So my assumption is they're recurring, they're, they're referring to sleep window, which is like a pretty important thing because if you're someone with an Aura Ring and you know your sleep window, like your average sleep window, and you also know your average sleep time, and you're trying to optimize your sleep, and the research all says, you know, the, the, the time is, you know, the ideal time for most people is eight hours, and you assume that means the actual sleep, then you go and you try to achieve a sleep window of like nine hours because, um, because that'll result in eight hours of actual sleep at a certain, you know, reasonable level of efficiency, for me at least. It's like 80%, 85%, something like that. Um, and really, you may be oversleeping. And uh, because, you know, they were, you, you don't actually need the eight hours of real sleep. The, that's not what the research is suggesting. The research is suggesting an eight-hour sleep window. And so you need an eight-hour sleep window, which is actually seven hours of sleep, or whatever it might be. Um, and so, you know, this is a lot of, like, talking about a lot of things or whatever. And, you know, this is part of the experiment, I guess, of this whole thing of, like, will I get too tangential? Um, because that's sort of the way that I tend to think. But hopefully I can come back to the point most of the time, or else I will let you know I forgot what I'm talking about or whatever. Um, but in this case, I know that sort of the initial point that I started from was the importance of sleep and how oversleeping, um, well, I didn't get to this point yet, but this is the point I was getting at, is that oversleeping beyond the optimal time to me seems like a total waste of life because, you know, I sleep, there's certain people who like love sleep. Um, you know, I, I love sleep after like a long, really tiring day, you know, like doing some outdoor activity and really tiring myself out or something like that. But most of the time sleep is just something that I have to do. I'm not like super, super tired physically when I go to sleep. Um, and I just know that I have to sleep to keep my body and my, and my brain working. So I do, and I want to keep it working well and live a long time and a healthy life. So I'm trying to sleep reasonably close to the recommended amount of hours. Um, but if I didn't have to sleep, if I could take some pill that, you know, could replace sleep, like, you know, a pill, every pill you take replaces an hour with zero side effects. And of course, this is some like totally fictional thing for now. Um, but if you pretend that that existed, I would probably take like, you know, at least a few pills a day and only sleep, you know, four hours or something like that. I'm sure I probably wouldn't want to like give up sleep. Like at a certain point it is enjoyable, but um, if I could sleep less and not pay the price for that in terms of my health and how I feel the next day and overall and everything like that, I don't need to spend a third of my life unconscious. Uh, I don't see really any reason to do that. Um, so it just feels like oversleeping is a waste of time to me. And that's why it's important to me to figure out, you know, roughly the right range uh, and understanding you can't be perfect, but roughly, um, because like I said, you know, every hour, an hour times 365 days 
times a hundred years is uh, what thirty six thousand hours, thirty six thousand five hundred hours, um, which I don't know. You divide that by days or get whatever number you want out of that, but it's like a lot of time. Um, so. For example, like another way to look at it is if, if you live 90 years, right, and you sleep eight hours a night, uh, that's a third of your life. So you can basically cut the 90 years into thirds and you have 60 years of waking and 30 years sleeping. And if you, if you cut the hours of sleep uh, per night in half, like the example I used earlier, four hours a night, then you're actually getting back 15 years you're getting back of waking life. You're getting back half of that 30 years spent sleeping. So it's like crazy. And then, you know, if you, the difference between eight hours and six hours, which like I said, is, you know, probably a bit more reasonable may still six, may be too little. I don't want to like recommend that or anything, but it's where it starts to feel like it might be reasonable to me. Then you're talking about seven and a half years of waking life um, out of, you know, and, and again, it's waking life. So that's, like, you know, on top of the 60 years that you have um, with of waking life with eight hours of sleep per night, that's seven and a half years on top of 60. So that's, uh, what, uh, 12 and a half percent increase, I think, in the amount of waking years of life that you have. Um, so pretty, pretty material. Um, in terms of the people who live uh, 80, you know, 90 years and sleep eight hours versus the people who live 90 years and sleep six hours. And uh, I should address, though, the, the counter that I worry about in terms of sleeping too little. The reason I, I try to sleep is that on the, on the one hand, it's sort of hard to self-sense or measure sort of like feeling and performance on a day-to-day basis. But there's, I think, a certain level of sleep that is required for the opportunity to be at sort of peak performance. Uh, And of course, that depends on other things like diet and exercise and whatever else as well. But there's a certain level below which I think if you don't meet that threshold in sleep, you start to suffer for it on a day-to-day basis and you you may not realize it. And so um, you want to stay above that level and then Secondarily to that, there's, you know, pretty compelling evidence that uh, if you don't sleep quite enough, it it might have, uh, you know, impact on your expected health span and lifespan. Uh, Matthew Walker talks a ton about this. And even if you take his stuff with a grain of salt, um, I've also read some things from Alexi Guzzi, who I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but some internet guy that I've come across and uh, he puts a pretty vigorous counter up to a lot of the points in Matthew Walker's book, which I thought was interesting. And, um, you know, regardless, you take it all with a grain of salt, there's probably some level of sleep uh, on both sides, really, if too much and too little, that will affect your longevity and ability to live a long and healthy life. And so I want to be within the range where it's, you know, not a negative impact and, you know, um, or at least not a material negative impact or whatever. It would, you know, you're never going to know probably, at least not now, what the ideal exact number is. And even if you did, very hard to 
control that and hit it every night. But um, being within a reasonable range of an hour or, you know, better than that would be like a half hour or something like that, I would consider to be a really nice accomplishment. And so, you know, bringing this all together, how do I actually think about it for myself? Um, Well, I think, like I said, four hours on a consistent basis, way too short. Um, Five hours, also too short. Uh, Five and a half, too short. Six starts to get reasonable, but I think too short. Uh, And I'm talking about, what should I talk about? Just to make it a uniform definition. I'll talk about um, real sleep, even though the, the prevalent definition, I think, is referring to sleep window. I'll talk about both at the end, but um, I'll talk about real sleep because that's what I sort of see every day with my aura ring and pay more attention to. Um, so I think that, and it shows the sleep window too, of course, but I think about, you know, to be on the conservative side, side of things, I think about hitting a certain range with the actual sleep. Um, and after all, that is what would seem to actually matter um, if you're just lying in bed in the middle of the night awake, but you were in bed for eight hours awake for four, like you got a terrible night's sleep. So, you know, you shouldn't, that doesn't count. Like it was an eight hour sleep window, but that doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is the four hours of actual sleep. So coming back to this sort of uh, getting into the numbers, I think that six hours of actual sleep is too short. I think that six and a half is the first sort of level that could be right, or that could be like sort of the low end of the range that could be right for me personally. And it might be totally different for you. Um, I know there's people who genuinely like thrive off of like very little sleep. Evidently, this is a much less common thing than people make it out to be. At least that's what Matthew Walker said. But um, nonetheless, it is a thing with some people. And then on the other side of that, I think there are people who, whether it's because of their genetics or lifestyle or whatever, they need quite a bit more sleep. And so, you know, this is just talking about me and I want to caveat that. Um, And I don't know if I'm normal in this category or not, but I think six and a half in terms of actual sleep. And so that would be roughly seven and a half hours of um, maybe seven to seven and a half hours of sleep window, I think that's like a pretty good low end of the range to me. And if you think about it from the popular perspective where people say eight hours is generally the, you know, the right amount of time, that's sort of like the popular wisdom or whatever, whether it's right or wrong. And so seven and a half or so hours of sleep opportunity is just under that. Um, And so six and a half of actual sleep starts to seem not so crazy or not so short of the yardstick. And um, for all the reasons discussed, like, I don't want to waste time sleeping extra, and I'm conscious of that bias, but I also really don't want to not sleep enough and suffer for it. So um, I'm genuinely just trying to get, like, sort of the right range here. And I, I think those two biases sort of balance out to, to do in doing that. Um, what else? Uh, so, oh, and then so going from six and a half you know, seven on like roughly eight hours of sleep opportunity seems about right uh, as well and, and feels good. And uh, and moving up, you know, seven and a half off roughly eight and a half 
seems right and feels good. It's hard for me to sleep that much. I just, I wake up. Um, and, you know, maybe there's something to be said for that as well. But I think that's like a reasonable starting range. So like seven and a half to eight and a half hours of sleep window and uh, six and a half to seven and a half hours of actual sleep. And, you know, this ties perfectly with the, you know, common wisdom. If you agree with my assumption that when people talk about eight hours is the ideal, they're talking about the window as opposed to the actual um, that cause my range is, you know, seven and a half to eight and a half. So average eight window with six and a half to seven and a half actual. Um, so, you know, average seven actual. So average, you know, the mid, the midpoint of that range being eight hour sleep opportunity for seven hours of actual sleep. That seems like a very non-dangerous place to live where I'm probably not sleeping too much that I'm wasting life. Um, and I'm probably not sleeping too little that I'm suffering, you know, day to day and long-term health consequences as a result. Um, so like, I'm almost certain if I, I mean, almost certain is pretty strong, but I'm very confident that if I slept for an eight hour window for seven hours of actual sleep every night, or ideally, you know, if I could up my efficiency somehow, with various things that you can do, you know, not going on your phone before you sleep, making sure there's no sound or light, making sure the temperature is right, um, not exercising soon before bed, not eating soon before bed, various things. I, I did a blog post on this at some point. Uh, blue light glasses, if you want. I don't use them, but it's one of the things. Um, so if you do these things and up your sleep efficiency, maybe you can, you know, increase the a uh, percentage of your sleep window that is spent sleeping and thus decrease your sleep window to get the same amount of actual sleep time. But um, I think that, I think that, uh, that that's about right for me right now. Um, and it's helpful to talk about actually, like I said at the top of the show, because I, I sort of knew that, but I never, you know, talked about it at length. And if you don't like long form, uh, and thinking about things with a lot of various considerations in a somewhat tangential way, you probably are not going to want to listen to this, at least not for now. Maybe I'll change and evolve and it will become different uh, or devolve, I suppose, potentially. And uh, this will become different and more short and concrete or whatever. Um, but, and, and I think, you know, concise and concrete is great for, like business communication and, and things like that. And, and communication overall, in a sense, especially written when there's a lot of different things pulling at your attention. But I do think that there is room for long form, sort of, uh, you know, long-winded, uh, tangential, you know, working around a point, talking from a bunch of different angles. And I think that has somewhat been underappreciated in the modern world, especially like the tech and business world where people are all about, you know, get to the point. If it's a blog, it should be a tweet, et cetera. Like I, I tend to agree with that often, by the way, but I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think there's room for short form and as you know, few words to deliver the point as possible. And then there's also room for, you know, non-efficient sort of, uh, 
you know, like a book style where a book can often be a blog, which might be able to be a tweet. But the reason you read the book is to just sort of like download this way of thinking and really get like deep into all of the various considerations and things, um, at least some books. And so I think there's, there's still value in that and room for that. And I try to consume sort of both different things, um, you know, what relatively little I, I do consume. So um, back to the sleep, just to wrap it up. I think roughly seven hour uh, actual sleep in an eight hour window is right for me. And you, you guys are like, uh, can't believe this guy's coming back and talking more about the sleep now. Uh, I thought we were done with the sleep, but, uh, but I think that um, that's about right. And the range around that is also important because it's, it's very hard to, you know, hit the same target every night or whatever, or at least for me it is. And so um, the range, I feel very comfortable going down to seven and a half sleep window for a six and a half actual sleep. Um, and I feel comfortable going over if I can. Usually if I sleep eight and a half hours of window or whatever for seven and a half real, I sort of needed it. Um, because generally, like I said, I sort of have trouble sleeping that much. So anywhere up in that range is fine. And by the way, I wouldn't want to go materially over that because, uh, and again, you know, some people might, everybody's different, but that starts to feel like a waste of life to me. Uh, and you know, some people very well might need it, but for me personally, like given how much I struggle to sleep a nine hour opportunity for an eight hour, um, actual sleep time, I think it would be unnatural to like force myself to and, and not good to force myself to try to sleep like a 10 hour window for a nine hour actual sleep. And I'll do that sometimes if I'm getting over being sick or been sleep deprived or something like that. But on a regular basis, that would take like a lot of effort to like really try to sleep a lot for me and just feels like too much. I haven't really seen any evidence that that amount is beneficial for the general population. Again, it might be for some people, but feels like not for me. So I wouldn't want to go under, I mean, over um, like eight hours of actual sleep or in most cases, seven and a half hours. So, you know, eight is fine again, if I need it, but like over that, I just don't need to be there. And I also don't really want to be under six hours of actual sleep. So roughly seven of um, sleep window. And I got to be careful out here because almost kind of just got hit by a car. It wasn't close at all, but like didn't really see it and uh, was about to cross the street. So, um, yeah, so I think six on a seven hour window is good. Five and a half on a, on a six and a half hour window is fine, but not really sustainable. Um, 6.30 on 7.30 is great. 7 on 8 is great. 7.5 on 8.5 is good. So it's really like uh, 7, 7.5 seven to 8.5 with of, of sleep window for 6.5 to 7.5 of um, actual sleep. And I really don't want to be below, one notch below that. So... Um, six on seven, uh, that's, it starts to feel like not quite enough.
Um, so in conclusion on sleep for me personally, ideally, I think probably roughly seven on eight, um, six and a half on seven and a half or seven and a half on eight and a half is also great. And six on seven is fine uh, or even good below that five and a half on six and a half is not good and unsustainable. So I'll try to get between six and seven and a half hours of actual sleep on, you know, whatever the sleep window is required, which is probably between seven and eight and a half. And that's the range in which I'm going to live. And I also think that um, for me personally, I found benefit from sleeping sort of an earlier window. Um, I thought about it sort of fundamentally, um, you know, if you didn't have society or anything like that and, um, you know, you tried to figure out like what are the right times to sleep, I think the most fundamental thing in the world, in the natural world, uh, to base it off of would be the sun. Um, seems pretty hard to argue with, uh, from my perspective. And so I actually looked this up and like where I live, at least East coast US, um, you know, the longest day of the year in like July or August or whenever that is, the sun rises around, or maybe not the longest day, but the longest month of the year in terms of the, the month with the longest days of daylight. Um, it's, I think July and the average sunrise is around 5.30 in the morning and sunset is around 8.30. So, you know, you would basically try to maximize for being awake in parallel to the sun being up. And so you sort of have like 8.30 p.m. to 5.30 a.m. to play with. Uh, and then, of course, because those are the longest days of the year, that will mean that you're if, if you're up entirely from 5.30 to 8.30 all year round, then you're not missing any sunlight the entire year, which I just think is like a pretty cool and actually achievable concept um, where it becomes unachievable is if you're waking up before 5.30 and because of the societal norms and everything, you know, going out, whether it's the dinner or drinks or whatever, or going to basically any evening event uh, or watching a sports game or any live televised event or basically anything live at night uh, will probably make it difficult to go to sleep in time to get enough sleep to wake up at 5.30 or earlier. Um, using my, you know, rough eight-hour window for seven hours slept ideal, um, you know, to, to wake up at 5.30 and get, get eight hours of sleep window, you have to go to sleep at... Um, 10, uh, 9.30, actually. Um, yeah. So that's pretty early. Um, to actually sort of go to sleep at 9.30, you need to sort of be ready to go to sleep at like 9 or whatever, start getting in bed, shutting it down, everything like that. That is pretty early for anyone beyond, you know, fourth grade or whatever. Um, so it's just, it's a bit tough. But I think it's doable. Um, and what I think is more doable is if you go to like the low range 
of sleep that I mentioned. So you cut an hour off that and you do a six hour sleep in a seven hour window or six and a half and seven and a half. Then you can push 930 back to 10 or 1030 and going to sleep at 10 or especially 1030, I find to be a lot more reasonable. You definitely end up missing it still. Uh, if you're going out or whatever, uh, again, like, you know, even just a, a later dinner can make that difficult, uh, let alone like going out after or whatever, or, you know, watching a sports game, something like that. But 1030 is generally on most nights pretty achievable, especially during the week, for me at least. Um, and even 10 is achievable. It's just like a, a mental block that I have that 10 feels too early because you have to sort of be in bed getting ready to go to sleep in at some point in the nines in order to actually like go to sleep at 10. Um, so it just feels like a little early, but I think I could get over that. Um, so that feels like sort of the right window of the day for me personally. And I find that like, you know, people talk about like the golden hours where you just feel like most focused and energized and able to do work and you don't want to schedule meetings in that time or, give your time to other people during that time if you can all avoid it because that's your time for doing focused, um, you know, really solid uh, work, uh, maybe more creative work, but I don't think it necessarily has to be. And uh, for me, I find that even going back to college, I would always, like, if I had a big exam um, and, you know, had the choice to stay up late or, uh, or wake up early, the next day i would like pack things in pretty pretty early like you know 10 10 30 or whatever and set an alarm for five for 5 30 and get you know three four five hours whenever the exam was um however many hours i have starting at 5 5 30 i'd get that in for some really focused study time and often it would be like better study time than like the full day that i spent prior just because i'm like so locked in and the deadline is unavoidable there's no choice about like when i go to sleep or anything like that it's just you have between now and then to get it done um so i've always found that those early morning hours before most people are awake are really useful and sort of my personal golden hours and um and again you know it changes for all people some people are night owls i get that but um you know, when you wake up at that time, 5.30 or whatever, like no one's awake. It's still like not totally light out. It's generally like kind of pleasant and quiet. And even if you're not going outside, there's just sort of like that that vibe um, of quiet and like you're sort of ahead and early. And early generally has like good connotations and, you know, and uh, late has sort of like bad connotations just generally. Early bird gets the worm, whatever. Um and so there's something that sort of feels good about that. And then the thing is, even when it gets to, you know, 9.30, four hours later, and everyone's awake, um, that feeling that you had when you woke up and started, when it was quiet and peaceful and you're ahead of everyone and everything like that, you know, you're so locked into whatever you're doing, that feeling prevails through the course of whatever time you're able to sort of stay in the flow. Um, so I find that useful. Um, and that's sort of the sleep schedule that I'm going for. I think I've talked more about sleep today than uh, perhaps cumulatively in my life. And you have almost certainly heard 
more than enough of it. So I will end there for today. I won't get to any questions. It might sort of be a running joke of how long it takes me to actually get to one of these questions. But so long as I have something that I am inspired to talk about, I will do so. And I'm very much looking forward to getting to the questions when the time comes. Um, on that note, please send me questions. I'm always taking questions. I really appreciate the questions. And uh, they just make me think about things that I wouldn't have otherwise thought about. And so I genuinely appreciate them. And they're going to be great for the show. And I look forward to getting to them. Uh, email them to me at jake at blogofjake.com. Uh, alternatively, you can find me on Twitter or Farcaster. Uh, and my handle is 0FJAKE. That's of Jake with a zero instead of an O. Um, and you can, you know, find a way to get my attention there. Either, you know, DMs would be ideal or whatever, but you can also just comment on a random tweet or find a tweet where I'm asking for questions and comment there. Um, and I do appreciate it. So with that, um, for today, that is the morning recording and I hope you enjoyed and, uh, I appreciate you listening and I will be back tomorrow for episode three of walk and talk. And, uh, I will have my improved headphones as well. So, and microphone, so you can look forward to some improved quality, uh, should be a significant improvement, but we will see. Uh, thank you guys for listening and have a great day.